Welcome back, friends, nerds, librarians, library technicians, library yes. workers. We're going to get into all of this. Anyone who has ever maybe vaguely thought about having some kind of professional activity in a library. <laughs> we jest, we jest. But I mean, this episode is very much going to be about the library profession. Yes. Uh, we are really, really happy to be able to bring you a recording of a live panel that we moderated mm -hmm. at... Last week's British Columbia's Library Association, British Columbia Library Association conference. Yes. Do they just call it the British Columbia Library Conference? I think when they, they have a conference. Do. Yeah, because yeah. the hashtag is BCLC. So, right. yeah. So it, I guess technically it's the British Columbia Library Conference. There we go. Um, That's the one. And yeah, what an awesome discussion. Yeah, just, I mean, people <laughs> keep asking me at work this week, how was the conference? How was the conference? Yeah. And like, I can honestly tell them fantastic. And yeah. I'm not lying. And it's because a lot of, you know, or exaggerating or anything. It's a lot of conversations that don't usually happen out in the open yeah. happened at this conference. And yeah. this when we were privileged to be part of one of them. Yeah. So we were, you know, so lucky um, to have uh, Ashley Van Dyke and Tamarack Hawken back on the show um you may recognize them from episode number 37 uh which was more about the feels than the science i think was the title of that <laughs> yeah. one um which was talking about the the difference in education between library technicians and those of us with the mlas degree um and this one this conversation kind of delves a little bit even further into that um mm -hmm. we have we brought two, in yeah, some more experienced voices. yeah we brought in two more experienced voices um in the form of christina nigel who is a librarian and also is a faculty member at uh, the University of the Fraser Valley, where mm -hmm. one of the great uh, library technicians in our area, or so one of the great library technician programs, that's the word I was looking for, um, <laughs> in our area is from. And um, also Pat Cumming, who is the head of West Van Memorial library i want to um, say yes yes it'll all be in the show notes yeah we'll double check that <laughs> um but uh, she's the she's the the one of the head librarians over there and um started out as a library technician as did christina mm -hmm. so they kind of give us the um you know the some more ideas about the the movement the trajectory that some yeah take. how things may have changed over time and you know what they see as the future of these professions working side by side yeah. to uh, to make libraries what they are and are going to be. Yeah, and it was such an exciting conversation to be a part of. The room was packed, it which was, was to the gills. a little intimidating. Oh, extremely and, intimidating! Um, yeah. yeah, lots of friendly faces, lots of coworkers <laughs> and former classmates, um, yeah. and lots of really interesting comments and questions from the crowd as yeah, well. Absolutely, um, and also a little plug for the Canadian Health Libraries Conference, which is happening next month, where they're going to yeah. be having a similar conversation so yeah. we'll drop a link to that as well absolutely then i guess you know what we've kept you guys waiting a whole day late for this podcast because we needed to get our hands on the audio so um without any further ado except no i'm kidding i'm just gonna do it uh let's get this one started uh i'm ali sullivan and i never thought i'd do anything that shiny and i'm sam mills and that cab has a dent in it and another dent here and another dent here Thank you so much for coming to our uh, live episode of the SS Librarianship podcast, um, where we're going to be uh, continuing a discussion that started a few months ago. I really hope you enjoy it. Um, my name is Ali Sullivan, and I'm a rather new librarian. I graduated from SLACE almost exactly one year ago today. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm rather new, but um, 
Since then, I've worked part-time at Simon Fraser University and at Vancouver Public Library, and currently I'm serving as the Instructional Services Librarian at Langara College. Um, I'm interested in the relationship between our professions um, because of how much I've learned from library technicians as a new librarian. Um, I find that they have been absolutely integral to um, my kind of upbringing in the actual career. Um, so that's kind of why I think this discussion is really important. All right, and I'm Sam Mills. I'm your other host slash moderator for today. Uh, I'm a librarian at the Vancouver Public Library where I work in the programming and learning and digital services departments. Um, and like Allie, I graduated just about a year ago today. And like Allie, I've learned a lot of what I do now in all aspects of my job from the techs and IAs that I've worked with. Um, and I've also seen situations where one side or the other doesn't really get their due. And so I was really excited to continue this conversation. Um, we'd like to remind everyone that today's session is being recorded as a live episode of SS Librarianship, the podcast that Allie and I have been hosting for the past two years. Any listeners out there? Yeah, all right. Um, and on the show, we discuss pop culture as well as current issues in the library world. We've done shows recently on the new ACRL information literacy framework, on how to run a role-playing game, uh, and on the paths of new graduates in the library and archives worlds. And today's topic, the intersections between the professions of librarian and library technician is no exception to that. Um, and I'll add too that one of the reasons we love doing the podcast is getting to learn from other people. We don't do a ton of research. Instead, we find people who are really interesting to talk to and know a lot about their corner of the world and we ask them to talk about it. And so I'm really excited to be able to do that today with our panel. And I'll pass it back over to Allie. All right, so uh, we think that this conversation is really important to share widely um, through the podcast because we want more than just the people sitting in this room uh, to be able to talk openly um, about these kinds of issues. Um, we're hoping that not just our panelists, but some of you will add to the discussion. We have built in time for um, kind of question and answer and commentary, um, and we will bring a microphone to you. So um, if you do have one, do keep in mind it is going to be recorded. Um, <laughs> but we are hoping that that won't deter you from adding your voices today. Um, so like I said, we have built that time in uh, to each kind of round of questioning. So I'm going to get us started. <laughs> So in our first round of questioning, I would just like our wonderful panelists to introduce themselves, um, talk about a little bit where they're from, um, a little bit of their background, and where their particular interest in this topic stems from. So I'm going to hand it over to the panelists. We can just start with Pat and go down this time. <laughs> okay, so um, my name is Pat Cumming. And I am the uh, Information Services Department Head at West Vancouver Public Library. I've worked in libraries. I'm not going to give you a number. I'll just say there were card catalogs. <laughs> uh, I've worked in school libraries. I've worked in academic libraries. I've worked in special libraries. I've worked in public libraries. And um, my interest comes from the fact, I guess, that I've also started off my first library job. I was a summer student. I then uh, was a library technician and became a librarian, and now I'm a manager. So I've seen, the, I've seen things from many, many different sides, and um, I don't have any clear answers. To, um, I think it's important that we are talking about these things, and I think that um, as long as we keep the conversation going, that there's a hope that we can come to some clearer definitions of the differences. 
Okay, hi. Um, my name is Tamara Pakin. I'm a library technician with Surrey Libraries. Uh, currently, I'm working in information services, which means that I do kind of uh, reference. I also do a lot of uh, web and social media work and some other stuff with Surrey. Um, I just left three years and in teen services, which is pretty awesome. I used to work at our central branch doing that. Um, most of my career has been at Surrey. I've worked a little bit with Fraser Valley Regional Library, and I've done a few other projects. Um, a little bit more about me is just that I am a library technician graduate from the University of the Fraser Valley from the year 2009. I've served on the BCLA Board of Directors as the uh, past LPAS chair, so that's the library technicians and assistant section. Um, I uh, co-developed and launched the now BCLA mentorship program, which started with the technicians. Uh, Pat and I worked on mentorship together for a number of years. We've just handed it over, which has been great, because I've been doing that for about six years. And uh, I also just finished the first semester of my MLIS. So I'm, I'm coming from a couple of places on the fence, I guess. Um, my interest in this topic is, is twofold. Firstly, because I think it's ubiquitous. Uh, anywhere that you have librarians and library technicians working together, you're going to have some relationships to navigate. So it's worth talking about. Um, secondly, I'm, I'm personally interested in the big picture and how these Working relationships that we have are affecting um, our services and what we do in libraries. So I'm interested in how our relationships in here, meaning within the association, within the profession, how they're affecting our outward-facing relationships. You're not going to share. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Who am I? I am a mother, a daughter a student, an associate professor, sometimes a mentor, sometimes a lunatic. Um, I currently am an associate professor, uh, for what it's worth, at the University of the Fraser Valley, and uh, I have been now there 12 years. I, in terms of background, I was a library technician first, worked in special libraries, worked in the public library, became a librarian a while ago, um, and then found myself in this very strange place of teaching library technicians, having been one, but also having been a librarian. My interest uh, is really rooted in the plight of library workers of all ilk. Um, I'm now doing an ed-D in leadership in post-secondary contexts, and my actual focus is going to be how library school education is gendered. And this is because I am interested specifically how um, gender seems to inform the ways we perceive and operate as leaders, as managers, etc., and the issues around deprofessionalization. So my interest here today is um, about navigating this space, my own lived experiences having been a library technician and a librarian, but also having to teach future incumbents to face this interesting world that is in many ways very hierarchically structured. So um, like the others before me, um, I, I'm interested in all those, those various aspects of what, uh, what constructs us as library employees and how, how that affects the way we, we operate, but then ultimately 
how it affects the profession as we, as we see it. Okay, uh, my name is Ashley Van Dyke, and like Tamarack, I graduated from UFB in 2009 with my Libet diploma. Um, I worked in a wide variety of libraries. I, worked, I started off in a school library, a public school, um, and learned very quickly working for children was not uh, for me, career-wise. <laughs> um, and then I worked in a research library for about three years where I worked in-depthly with um, mostly university students working on master's and PhD program, or their PhD programs, and authors who were working on books. Um, from there, I moved into SFU, where I work in the information and instruction division, which my job entails pretty much what that says. I do a lot of work on the reference desk, um, answering questions and queries through the desk and ask away and through our text desk program. I also do a lot of instruction, and so what this is, um, I, I work with undergrad students, uh, primarily first years, um, helping them navigate the library. Um, so I've been there for almost two years, so I've been working in libraries for about six years. Um, and I'm also the current chair of LTAS. Um, I'm not in my MLS program, uh, so I'm probably the only one at this table who's a full just technician right now. Just, not just. <laughs> um, so where this interest comes from me is, is when I went into school um, to become a library technician, I actually had no idea what I was getting into. I I knew I wanted to work in libraries. I thought that they were a really amazing place and they, they helped shape my childhood and who I am today. Um, so I knew a library career was what I wanted, but I had no idea that there was a difference between a master's program and a diploma program, let alone that there even was two programs. Um, I was living out in the valley and the University of the Fraser Valley was the closest university and so I found the program online and enrolled in where I am today. It was a, a wonderful experience and um, I had a great time and I get really excited about telling people about about going to the school. So I'm here mostly today and my interest in this topic is primarily advocacy. Um, as a technician, it's really hard to constantly be explaining what it is that my education is and what it is that I do every day and to explain that I am not a librarian and, um, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but there's still like, <laughs> you know. I think we have our episode title now. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> this is where I like, I need a filter. Um, but. I feel like they're, they're two separate professions and a lot of times patrons don't know the difference and so there needs to be a bit of advocacy to explain that we are two different professions and there's a lot of overlap. Um, but if nobody starts the conversation, then nobody knows. And so I guess that's why we're all here today is to start or continue the conversation that we began last year. Absolutely, which is like a perfect segue. <laughs> so thank you, everyone. Um, so before we get going on our main topics of conversation for the day, and we've got a couple, and then maybe room for extras at the end, we'll see. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of setup. So as Ashley mentioned, and I think Hallie mentioned it earlier as well, um, the idea for this panel stemmed from an earlier episode, episode 37 of the SS Librarianship podcast, uh, when Tamarack and Ashley came on board with us to discuss some of the differences, similarities, and relationships between librarians and library technicians, as well as some of the differences and similarities in our training, which we'll also get into today. As new librarians at the time, we felt it was extremely important to get a better understanding of those subtleties and also to share that with our audience, um, a good chunk of whom are either MLIS students or new librarians. And so we really felt it was important to you know, ground up, start having this conversation. Uh, so this session builds on that conversation and it also brings in some more experienced voices. Um, so 
when we went through the introductions, we noticed that um, in the time since that episode, uh, both Tamarack and Ashley have continued their education. Uh, Tamarack just finished her first term in her MLIS degree, and uh, Ashley, you got a bachelor's degree. So it's going to be really interesting to see how their perspectives may have changed um, in the past just several months since we recorded that episode. Yeah. Uh, and so how the session will work is we'll moderate uh, posing our two main questions to the panelists and allowing them to take some time to both address them and also we hope there'll be some crosstalk among the panelists as well. Uh, and then at the end of each of those rounds, we'll open it up to the floor if anyone wants to discuss, give a comment, ask a question. And as we mentioned earlier, we'll bring this mic to you so that you can add your voice to the podcast. And if you want to say your name when you ask a question, you totally can, but you are under no obligation to do that. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started. So the first kind of big question that we've decided to pose um, deals with the working relationships that we have um, between librarians and library technicians. So it's kind of a um, multi-variegated question. It's kind of got lots of layers, so bear with me. Um, the first question we have in this set is, how would you define the division of work in the library between the two professions? Um, does this vary a lot between different institutions? And uh, can you speak a little to how things have changed over time uh, in terms of the work and the working relationships that we have between librarians and library technicians? So, and uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll start with Ashley. We'll come down this way. <laughs> All right. Um, so as I mentioned, I work at SFU, and I'm really fortunate to be in a super supportive and encouraging environment. Um, I'm not sure what the, the history is with technicians being in academic libraries. Um, so I can only speak to my, my couple of years. So I haven't seen a lot of differences in the working relationships. Um, there are clear job descriptions, at least for me, where I work. So there's clear things that librarians work on and clear things that um, myself as a library assistant, which is my job title, that, that I get to work on. And um, which I find really great to know that there, there are certain things that I can do and certain things that I need to go and collaborate with others on. Um, I've always found that the librarians who I work with are, are open to whatever ideas I have and encouraging at developing those ideas and bringing me on to projects and into the teamwork. Um, and I think that's sort of an ideal environment for libraries or to have librarians and library technicians working collaboratively on projects and within um, divisions. Um, as I mentioned day to day, I do a lot of reference and instruction um, and I work primarily with our general instruction program, um, which I'll actually be talking about a lot tomorrow, so I won't touch on it a lot today. But <laughs> um, So I get to collaborate with some, a really amazing team of librarians on content and the delivery of it, which is um, really exciting for me. Um, I think instruction is traditionally something done by librarians, so I feel really lucky to have this as part of a job. Um, I think that idea of a community of collaboration and relationship building is um, where we should be heading and is ideal for a working, working environment. Um, but things also differ between institution to institution, so hopefully my panelists can shed a bit of light on, on what it's like in other places. Um, and I think at that, on that note, I'll pass it off to Christina. I realized that when I talked about who I was, I didn't give myself a label. So, I'm Christina Nigel, for those <laughs> who don't know who I am. I just assume, yeah, exactly. No, 
I just, I'm like, oh, that's like the major, I, I thought major about jumping in, Christina, and then you, you had this whole beautiful thing, and I didn't want to undercut it at the I, end, so I thank you. <laughs> I know, it's like the major public speaking faux pas, <laughs> using yourself. Anyways, none of us are perfect, right? Um, this is an interesting question for me, because um, I have this weird, unique experience of having dabbled in a uh, number of different sectors and now find myself as an educator. So when I think about um, the role of library technicians and librarians and the disparities between them and how does that compare between institutions, I really feel like I can't, I hesitate to speak in a way that generalizes things because everybody has a different lived experience with this. I can only speak from the perspective of having had to uh, place students in different practicum placements, um, going on field experiences and field trips and exposing students to opportunities, and then my own work in various different sectors. So when I look at all that and I take a step back, um, what I see actually are some deeper common threads. So the day-to-day -day things, I think there are others who can speak to the differences in work. Um, what, what I think about are, are issues relating to, um, so, so we see that technicians, for example, often oversee the daily routinized ways of doing, of, of doing library work, and librarians being project managers and overseeing more um, broadly speaking um, the work of, of various projects and such. What I, what concerns me is that both groups, no matter what the day-to-day -day workings are and how they compare, are, are actually suffering um, under a regime of managerialism and um, a deprofessionalization in many ways that comes from other, other more global areas. So uh, when I think about what the different roles are and how, how that differs among these different organizations, I, I can't help but come back to, we're all striving, I hope, towards similar goals. We don't have our own CLA core values, but we look to ALA's core values, so we, we have those, those value systems, I think. We all share those. Um, it's, and, and so, I'm concerned with us moving towards a, a broader, more, more comprehensive agenda um, to serve our communities. So um, I'm going to leave it to others to talk about the inner workings, I think. Uh, I hadn't actually prepared anything in depth about the inner working, so we'll just see how this goes, but okay. maybe somebody else can jump <laughs> in afterwards. Um, I'm going to do something very um, out of character for me, and I'm going to be very, uh, I'm going to try to be very positive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, sorry. I also, I had a lot of hand gestures prepared for this, sec this session, and, and realized that I can't, um, can't actually move my hands while I'm holding microphones. Probably for the best. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so I do think that things are improving, and I like Ashley. I haven't been in the profession for very long. You know, it's six years, about six years in to our, our grad date, um, plus you know the couple of years preparing in school. Um, but I have I have seen and been a part of some very high functioning uh, teams or collaborations between librarians and technicians. Uh, I've had very good working relationships with the librarians that I work closely with at Surrey. Um, 
And I feel that you know there are examples of organizations out there that are integrating their staff uh, that are integrating their staff really well. So I, I do feel positive about the outlook. And um, I guess when I say that I feel positive, I need to sort of frame this within what I was prepared for. And uh, Christina may or may not corroborate, but. Um, <laughs> When I went through the tech diploma, and Ashley and I have talked about this, um, we're, we're really, really prepared for uh, uh, something completely different. So we went through our two years, uh, whereas Ashley, or sorry, Ali and Sam have sort of said, we, we didn't really talk about technicians. You know, it was ye who shall not be named. Um, <laughs> we were prepared Slash makes with, you paranoid now. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you are going to go out into the working world and librarians are going to tell you that you're not a professional. And you are. And you're going to have a really hard time ahead of you. And there were definitely some war stories from some of our, uh, what, what I would now say colleagues, but folks who had been in the profession for quite a while as we were coming through school. And uh, I was, I feel like I was steeled for the worst case scenario. So I can happily say that it has not been the worst case scenario. Um, it has not been perfect. Probably uh, everyone in this room has their own, you know, negative experiences or, or war stories, but it has overall been, I think, um, a lot more positive than what I expected, so few. Um, uh, in regards to the division of work, uh, I guess what I was going to say, I was just going to try to take a little bit of a more general view than, you know, my microcosm of experience is that um, this is where the hand gestures don't work, but <laughs> <laughs> I tend to think of it a bit like a Venn diagram. And I know, um, Ashley, you'd said, you know, it's two different professions. And this might just be, again, the linguistic gymnastics. I would, I would stress that we, we are in one profession. We have two different credentials. So, and I, that's probably what you meant anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you've got places where the Venn diagram is really kind of mushing over together. And I've, I've experienced this, and that may or may not make um, some people in the room uncomfortable, I, I don't know, um, where there's a lot of overlap. And it probably depends where you work, it depends what kind of work that you do, and I, I'm, I'm gonna say it also depends who you are. Um, and then there's other places where there's a big overlap. There's that little sliver of we are both in the library world, but we, you know, we do very different work. Um, yeah, that's the end of my poem, it's okay. okay. <laughs> I'm actually really heartened to hear both Ashley and, and Tamara sounding so positive about this whole, um, this whole issue. When I was a technician, I was very clear on what my role was. I was in a government library. The technicians did frontline work, and the librarians all supervised staff, managed collections. And there was never really any doubt in my mind what the difference was. I'm not sure that the situation is the same anymore. I think the lines have become blurred. Um, a little bit, well, by a lot of a lot of external factors that Christina alluded to, um, the fact that there that Google exists and anybody can sit down in front of a computer pretty much, and you know we're all trained to, to go deeper and 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 to uh, to search uh, hopefully <laughs> a little bit more systematically than than people who aren't trained, but um, it does it has changed the role of, of the person who sits at the information desk. The other thing, the other area where it's quite clear that there's been significant changes is in cataloging. When I graduated, catalogers were all librarians and there are not that many librarians who are still doing cataloging anymore. So uh, it 
things have changed, I would say, over the years, and, and it's made it a little bit more difficult. I've sat in rooms with librarians uh, where I have felt very uncomfortable with the conversations when people are talking about the division of, of duties. And uh, particularly since uh, having been a technician, you know what the capabilities are, you know what the training is, and it's, uh, it, it, it can be and is very difficult when people don't understand. And as Tamarack said, library technicians are prepared for this, and I'm not sure that librarians are. So um, yeah, that, that's really all I want to say. The other, one other point I want to make is that there's a third category of library staff that nobody's talking about, and those are the ones who don't have a technician's diploma or an MLIS, but they've worked in the community or the library for 30 years. They know it inside out and backwards, and probably better than I do, and, uh, and where do those people fit in? Great point. Um, so here is where we've built in a few minutes um, for anyone who wants to ask a clarifying question to our panelists or um, contribute to their own experience or, or voice to the conversation. So we have a few minutes for that. Oh, we need you to do the microphone. Sorry. Podcast problems. Hashtag. Um, just in terms of roles, the last point that you brought up about staff without credentials. Um, one of the things that, that I've seen or, or experienced as um, a library manager and looking at the staff that we've had, um, when they started a long time ago, they would have started with a high school diploma. And that if we were to hire the same position now, um, even if we didn't explicitly ask for a library tech degree or it wasn't part of the job, it would, it would still, the, the applicants would still be those types of credentialed people. And we've all seen kind of this credential creep in all sorts of things throughout where, you know, a high school diploma is not enough, a bachelor's degree is not enough anymore, this isn't. And to what extent on just, in, you, in your guys' opinion, on that beginning stage is the library tech now just in some ways an entry level to just getting a job in a library, whereas 20 years ago that wasn't the case at all. Okay, I'll, I'll attempt to address this. I agree completely that there is something called credential creep, and um, I, I, there are actually theorists who have looked at a lot of this. And, you know, it, it's difficult. This is the reality we face, that in fact, um, to get a job now, you have to have a resume that has these very discreet qualifications. I struggle as an instructor in a program, and formerly when I was the department head in it to plan for things, I really struggled with the fact that we had students coming in with no um, post-secondary education, some with lots of post-secondary education. They were doing a two-year diploma, and they were expected to perform work that had been performed by librarians in the past, in a lot of cases. In a lot of other cases, they're doing work um, that maybe is very, it fits very well with their, with their credential. And so here now I walk into classroom spaces and I'm faced with the difficulty that they may be asked to do far more and be required to do far more than ever before. So 
I think the credential is in some ways very important to equipping them with doing work that um, needs to be done. And when I say them, I mean my graduates because they're like my children. Um, <clears throat> sometimes. Um, <laughs> so so I, I mean, I really struggle with that, with that issue as well. And then, um, and, and there are many who are, are in the program that just start that then get a job as a page. Pages? Pages used to be high school students, right? Now they have to be enrolled in a library tech diploma. Like, honestly, it, it raises some important questions and concerns. Where my uh, thoughts on deprofessionalization play out is it's not that the work that library technicians and clerks and assistants isn't important. It's that it is not monetarily valued in the same way that librarians are valued, and we would argue they're not valued enough either. But it's this, this downloading of and, and allowing salaries to slide, right? So we're requiring technicians to do what librarians used to do in a lot of cases, not all, um, but we're not paying them that way. And we're certainly not providing them with sufficient professional development opportunities to allow them to even contemplate the idea of getting a master's degree or a bachelor's degree. And they make salaries at $25 an hour. And you know we've heard recent statistics about what it costs to live nowadays. So, so these, are, these are real important issues, too, around credentialing um, that we have to be very wary of. And what's underneath all of that? What is going on underneath all of that? And uh, my suspicion is it has to do with, um, with the notion of compensation and salaries that is all fueled by let's face it, uh, a government infrastructure, a global infrastructure that is turning information from a thing that empowers people to a commodity. And then everything has to have a dollar value associated with it. But I could go on and I will not because that's not <laughs> in my notes. So I'm just gonna put the mic down now. And I'm gonna respond where you left off. I'm job hunting right now and I started out as a page before I even went and did my library tech diploma back in 2001. And now I've, I was also in the field when a colleague who had been working, who didn't have the education, had been getting courses here and there, but didn't have a full tech diploma, but had been working in the field for 30 odd years. My boss said, okay, you've got a tech diploma. What would she need or what would we need if she decided to retire tomorrow? I said a third year tech. Somebody who's been in acquisitions for at least three years with a technical diploma. If not somebody with a master's degree with the same number of years or more. This woman knows the field inside out and backwards and should be paid accordingly. And she got it. Thanks to the recommendation <laughs> and a great boss. Awesome. And also then became my successor as a cataloger and for which I was absolutely thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, yeah, the credentials are becoming important. But depending on where you live, people are getting hired simply because they live there and are willing to work there. And I think the credentialization is as much or more in the major cities where they have credentials to choose from, as it is in the small communities. I've 
done the majority of my career outside major cities. I grew up as a mining brat, and the standing joke about mines is they don't put open pit mines in the middle of major cities. You and I, you and I should talk later. So, living in the middle of nowhere. I was born in Val d'Or, Quebec, because I'm also a mining brat. So. I get it. High school was Timmins, Ontario. Nice, nice. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, I've also got two-thirds of a master's degree. And what really scared me was one of the first classes that I sat in for my master's degree. We were informed that we weren't supposed to pay any attention to the techs or assistants out in the field. We were going to be in management positions, and we were the people to talk to. I'm sorry. But with another tech who'd been in the field for 20 odd years who was doing a master's degree, that was unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And the master's level librarians at, at the university had just got tenure. Thank you very much. Does anyone Absolutely. want to respond? Um, yeah. I actually um, wanted to respond to something that was mentioned about credentialing and entry level jobs. And this might touch on what one was talking about. Um, a tech diploma isn't necessarily a stepping stone to your, your MLS, and I think everybody here would agree. It, it doesn't always work that way. It could, which would be fantastic, and I think those of us who choose to go on to get our master's bring a lot of um, knowledge and experience to that field, and it's something that I'm sitting on the fence with. It was, uh, do I continue with my library education and move on and get my master's? Um, I'm super happy with where I am as a technician, and I love my job, so it's a, it's a hard call. Um, but to come back to what was mentioned about it being an entry level credential perhaps, um, I don't know if that's necessarily what it is. A, a technician, I've talked to technicians before and they choose to do the technician over a master's based on the type of work they can get and the positions that there are available and that the fact that they don't necessarily want to become supervisors or, or be in those big picture meetings maybe or, or have all that, but they might just want to be a cataloger because they love cataloging which not just, sorry. Not just. <laughs> That's like a super bad habit of, of yeah. mine. Um, That's another candidate for episode title. Yes, <laughs> thank you, Nita. Um, they become technicians because it's what they want to do and it's what they're passionate about. It's not necessarily that it's an entry level into becoming a librarian. It's, it's what they want to do and what they're driven to do. And I think that maybe that's an aspect of this conversation that gets lost is we're not pretending to be librarians. We're technicians and we love what we do. Um, and I think I'll leave it at that because I think Tamarack also had, you were, you were mentioning them. We also, we have time for maybe like one, one more comment more questions on this. So I saw a hand in the back earlier and then there's going to be another um, question period after the next sort of topic as well. So. Hi, I'm not going to belabor the issues that have already been spoken here today, but I really, really think what's at the core of a lot of this discussion is the bigger picture. It's concerning for me. Um, I, I, do have a, I do have a degree. I don't have a master's degree. I work in a library because I love libraries. I love books. I work in the technical side of things, which is not so sexy because we are not on reference desks, but um, <laughs> not that... <laughs> 
do you know what I mean? I mean we're I know, kind of integral. We're the we're the nuts and bolts that we keep it all together. But the the thing that is concerning is, and I've been to national com, uh, conferences where uh, I'm a president of a QP local. Uh, we have librarians in QP locals at SFU. Uh, thank God they've just certified, so that's really awesome. But they're a professional organization as well. You know, they were part of SAFUFA. You get into these really interesting relationships where there is this whole division of labor. Who's going to do what? Boundaries, they get very blurred. It gets very, very passionate for people because everybody's kind of protective about what we do. We take pride in what we do. The concern for me in terms of this big picture is the way libraries are being funded. It's, it's a bigger picture for me. I'm seeing the dumbing down of jobs, of all jobs at all levels, at the professional level, at the tech level, at, uh, from the circulation clerk right on up to the librarian. And I think that we as library workers, period, have a responsibility to have politicians advocate for the work that we do. Libraries play integral parts of communities, whether they are in small communities, whether they are at a community level, an academic level, and I really feel that corporations or something bigger is going on that somehow is dumbing down the work that we do and the way in which we do it. And so I think that as workers, we need to work collaboratively because we're all here because we love the work that we do. And I know normally I'm, I'm like you, I'm not usually that rah-rah, really positive person, but I <laughs> I think we need to band together as a group of workers because the information and how we access information and how we learn is huge. And I'm very, very concerned um, the way post-secondary, for example, education and libraries is not funded and it's not valued in this province and this country. And I think that that's shameful. I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> I think we will. That actually anticipates what we're going to sort of slide into next. Yeah. But I'll give the panelists yeah, we, a moment to, to respond. Segment. Do we want to just yeah. slide in? Okay, so I know there were lots more hands and we will have a lot of time. The next um, topic of discussion is our last. So we'll see how long that discussion goes and then we'll have lots of time to discuss further. Okay, so yeah, thank you very much, and I could not agree more. <laughs> and so our, our last round, our last kind of topic for discussion is that bigger picture. Um, and what, this question is mostly focused on values and on education, but I think we can also bring in sort of funding discussions to that too. Um, so our two professions, as as few of you have talked about, um, share a mission in a lot of ways. In fact, I would also say they really are sort of two aspects of one profession that shares a mission. Um, and we serve our communities with the same goals in mind. We all strive to fulfill the strategic goals and missions of our libraries or institutions. Uh, but in our previous conversation in episode 37, we also discussed how the purposes of the two professions differ, the two halves of the profession. I gotta find a new term for this now. Um, it seems in some ways that the MLIS program emphasizes attention to the longer term, the development of goals, the management of personnel and resources, and the library technician diploma seems to focus more on ensuring that the systems and details that support the library's mission function effectively. Uh, and so our question for our panelists is, do you see it this way? And do you think this differs across different types of libraries or institutions? And should it be that way? Um, and should our respective training and education continue to prepare us for these disparate roles, or should there be more of a convergence? So maybe we'll, um, we'll start with Tamarack this time. Pat's with the mic. Oh, All right. Okay, um, I'll keep it brief. So I think it's I think it is accurate to say that uh, there is the kind of division that Sam described in our um, 
our education as well as the skills that we bring into the profession. Te technicians tend to uh, do more of the detail or more of the day-to-day -day or more of the front lines, depending on where you're working. This might play out a little bit differently. And librarians, I think, are definitely groomed more for the big picture. Um, I do get to look at it a little bit from the education standpoint. As I said, I just finished my first semester of the MLIS. Um, I unfortunately have a really terrible memory, so I'm, I'm struggling to remember exactly what the tech diploma was like in the day-to-day. -day. Um, <laughs> but I, I am still a technician. I still work as a technician. Um, and I do see there's a difference. And it's also been striking to me how much it really is one profession. I know it's linguistic gymnastics to kind of, oh, was it two professions, two credentials in one profession, whatever. Um, but we're still talking about, I guess, uh, librarianship with a little L, if I can kind of finagle that in there. Um, there's a lot of overlap in interest. I think, you know, like you said, we're all here because we, we love what we do and we love libraries, and that does extend beyond the boundaries of what we're talking about today in terms of librarians and technicians, and that there is this, this mass of amorphous and assistance or and dot, 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 uh, that we haven't included in the scope of this panel, but certainly are included, I, I would include in the profession and in libraries. Um, so it's different, but it's overlapping. I'm going back to the Venn diagram thing. Uh, and I, I, I would argue that, um, you know, not everybody, just to build on what Ashley said, not everybody uh, should be a librarian. Not everybody should be a technician. These are, you're gonna be doing slightly different work. I also know people who uh, not just chose one way after the other, but I've, you know, whereas I'm deciding to go and, and do this second credential, I, I have a good friend who's a librarian who um, wishes that she had done the technician diploma. And unfortunately, it's a little bit harder to go the other way around because it is sometimes seen as um, a lesser version of the librarian, which is not what it is. But she doesn't want to do management. She's not interested in that. And it turns out that it's very difficult to get into librarianship without a willingness to embrace a lot of management. Uh, in terms of kind of differentiating them out, I sort of struggled with this, uh, a way to come up with something concise for it. And I thought the way that I normally describe it is with, with job advice. So occasionally I have people who come up to me and, you know, I love books. I'd really like to work in the library. <laughs> I have never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> and I smile <laughs> and uh, as nicely as I can. And, uh, you know, and I explain, yeah, there are two credentials. No, I'm not a librarian. I also have mentioned a couple times during this conference the amount of time of my life that I have wasted having to explain to people that I'm not a librarian. This is at least half the reason I'm going to go do my master's. I'll just be candid. <laughs> <with it>. um, <laughs> so, you know, I think, yeah, if you're interested in cataloging or system, you know, there's some of this technical work, because I have worked as a cataloger as well, um, and there are cataloging librarians, but my experience is that a lot of those are technician positions. Um, you know, I really stress with people, or stress, stress to people, you know, I, I don't want to work with you unless you are willing to engage with technology at the stage in the game. It's just not acceptable to, to st stop at, I love books. Um, you're going to need to do some more stuff. Um, but if you think that you would like to engage more in the big picture. If you have a high tolerance for meetings, if you, um, you know. <laughs> Maybe you want to consider the master's degree. <laughs> yeah, and on that note, I have a hot, very high tolerance for meetings. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> um, to go back to the original question, 
I'm going to waffle and say yes and no. Um, I think maybe that's the way it should be, but the reality is you don't come out your first day of library school ready to manage. That is something that you have to learn to do, and not everybody is even wants to do that. So uh, I think what you have to take into consideration is what works for each individual person. And I know that in my own case, I was a technician. I was perfectly happy being a technician for 10 years. At the end of that 10 years, I was looking for something more. And so that's when I made the decision to go back and get the librarian credential. So I think um, there are models out there of different kinds of laddering and I think uh, in, in education and I think those are the kinds of things that we have to look at where people can go, you know, do their two years and then if they want to move on to do their four years that it actually be an automatic thing that they could do it or something like that where people have options to choose what works for them and things work for people at different times of their lives too because many of us have families and so you have to do what works for you. So that is what I would say about it. Okay. So uh, maybe we'll pass it to Christina and then Ashley and then our questions. All right, I'm going to take a slightly uh, more grandiose approach um, because I do that and <laughs> I'll try not to get, there's so many things um, muddling around in my head about this because there's so many, there are so many problems underneath all of this that is so interesting to me. So um, uh, we've heard about agency and, and personal decisions and times in their lives and that, that is absolutely true and I see it all um, and it's, it's really gratifying to me to see people at all stages of their life from, well, not infancy, because that's ridiculous, but, um, you know, all the way up until they're 70 years old, looking at finding new ways to get an education. What is interesting to me under all of this is that, well, first, let me make a confession. When I was a library technician, I went on, my decision to become a librarian was only about money and power, okay? Um, little did I know, like librarianship, power, like what was I thinking? Anyways, um, I was motivated by making a salary that allowed me to raise a family on my own. Not that my, my husband would be, he'd be like, what, what, what are you talking about? But my, my mother raised me in a way where, you know, it was about me being able to fend for myself and having that available to me should I need it. So that was what motivated me. Um, and the power thing, yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, um, but, okay, coming back to this, um, it's about the structures available. So I wrote, I wrote these notes so I'd stay on task, so I'm gonna just <laughs> speak to this. Um, it isn't that librarians have a better vision of the world than library technicians. I don't believe that at all. Um, but what I am seeing is that librarians who were once attracted to the profession because they were interested in helping people are finding themselves educated in a way where they have to see themselves as becoming managers of people. And it takes you away from the ethics of care that I think attracts a lot of people to this profession. And why is that happening? Why, why is librarian becoming synonymous with manager? 
right? So this is where my whole gender thing starts to play in, right? Because why does this profession not have any status in the world? Why can't libraries get money to actually do what they need to do? Um, I think it comes back to patriarchal structures that create these conditions for us. So the only way to get status, and I was a victim of this, right? Status and salary is that somehow I can see myself managing other people, being responsible in those ways. And that meant that a library technician doing the day-to-day -day operations, that, that isn't valued um, in society in the ways that we think it should be valued. So we come against the structural barrier. And when we talk about um, why is work being dumbed down, well, it's not just our profession where this is happening. I also live in this other world of the academy, which is a really strange place too. And the same thing is starting to happen. Oh, you're, a, you're an instructor? Well, you probably waste a lot of time, so let's get you teaching more classes, doing um, more standardized testing, because that's faster. You know, those kinds of pressures that take my autonomy and take my ability to think for myself and act as a thinking member of society away from me. And so I think that there are lots of themes in here about the division of labor that come to something far more profound and powerful than just what we choose to do in our own situations um, that I think is important to ponder and reflect upon. We certainly can't change it all, but um, it, it, it does leave us with food for thought. And this idea of information being commodified, and to be perfectly honest, it makes me all, I don't know, like, I kind of just all do this, right? I can't even describe it. I just kind of grip my teeth when I hear the word customer because I think, again, we're devaluing the members of our community by saying it's some sort of retail transaction when it should be something far more meaningful than that. So what does this all come back to? Well, how we do our work on a day-to-day -day basis. And I, I still, you don't hear librarians demoting themselves, demoting themselves to become library technicians. You see library technicians aspiring to become librarians. Why is that? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just questioning why. And I think it comes back to socioeconomics. Library technicians that I have been um, exposed to in my modest life uh, are in a different socioeconomic position and a different position with less power than those who are able to get a master's degree. It's all about social capital, right? So there's all these, these things that are worth talking about and I'm going to put the microphone in <laughs> Ashley's hands now because I won't stop. Okay, well, I'm not sure where to go to now. <laughs> Thank you, Christina. Um, it's okay. Um, I think when I was listening to Christina speak, I was thinking the value of it. And, and that kind of comes back to, maybe it touches the big picture, maybe it touches power, maybe it, it doesn't really intersect with any of those things and I'm just on a tangent. But we come back to these, these job roles and I'm a library technician, so are some people up here and so are some people in the audience and some people are librarians. But what does that even mean? And we're here in this profession and it's a very similar profession, it's different credentials, but it's the same, we love libraries and we're working in libraries. So where does that bring us? Job titles are an interesting thing when you're a library technician. So maybe I'll take a moment to talk about this. I've been a library technician, and I'm currently a library assistant, even though I have my technician's diploma. I've also been an assistant librarian and pretty much ran a library. Um, 
and I also know technicians who are classified as secretaries or admin assistants. And so this might bring back to the power idea of we need a voice to talk about what is it that we do and what is it that we are capable of doing and where can we go from here. I have to say honestly, when I'm on the reference desk and our um, service desk staff say, oh, actually, you're, you've got a question, and I think you need to talk to our reference librarian, and I'm on the desk, I don't think a patron cares that I'm a library technician and not a librarian, as long as I can help them find their book or their journal article that they cannot find on their own. They just need help, and maybe that's where this big picture idea can be distilled from, is that, yes, these are two different, I wanna say professions, but I don't wanna get, yeah, <laughs> we have different credentials and we're in the same, the same field of work, but we're ultimately, we're here for the people who visit our libraries and we're here to help our communities become better communities, even if that is teaching a child to read or helping that first year undergrad student who's like, I've never been in a library and I don't know what to do. Helping them even just find the registration office, I think that's, that's what we're here for and we're to help people. And maybe that's partly what's missing as people move on in their careers. Um, so where do we go from here? So when I think about being a library technician, it's not necessarily I think that I'm not part of the bigger picture or that I can't be part of the bigger picture. I'm a library technician because this is what I chose to do and this is what I love to do. And it had nothing to do with power. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd want power. <laughs> That's a different conversation. Um, and I, I would bet that most library technicians would say the same thing. They're, they see themselves as part of their library and as hopefully part of their library and the community within their library who, and they want to be part of that conversation because we're there because we'd love to and because this is what we're interested in and we care about the future. Um, and I think I'll end at that and do some questions now. Fantastic, yeah. So we have uh, about 20 minutes left, which is great. It's basically what we were aiming for, so lots of time for discussion. So Ali, I'll bring the mic around to people who want to add a comment, ask a clarifying question. I'm just gonna say I thought it was interesting. I came to this, I don't, I'm not uh, I'm information services or a librarian, I happen to be in circulation. And just as an FYI, I've worn many hats. I have no credentials. I've been doing the job for 22 years and several times have to actually do a lot of teaching and instruction to the techs and the librarians that come into our branch. And this could be another panel discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I would say uh, to touch on what Fiona also mentioned, th the institutional knowledge that some of our colleagues bring to the table who might have been with us without any credentials is you can't put a value on that. Um, so I know at my job, I'm really fortunate to be able to talk to people who have been there for, for a number of years, so yeah. I just want to quickly say, Robin, I would come to that session. <laughs> we'll moderate it. <laughs> so I'm curious to hear the panelists' views on the effect of collective agreements on the roles and relationships between library techs and librarians. I come mainly from an academic background, and so that's my, my bias, but my partner, works in a large public library as a support staff member where there's a similar situation. I'm a former um, faculty union president who went over the dark side of management in the last five years. So <laughs> I have, I've, I've got a few different views of this. But where I work, uh, librarians are faculty and have 43 days paid vacation, $4,000 a year professional development, um, time for professional development, many, many benefits that 
our library of technicians who are support staff do not have. And I, so it, I, I'm just wondering, curious to know that that must affect the roles and relationships just because of the, you know, the opportunities. And so the, the uh, library techs are in the same union as people who don't uh, see themselves as professionals in any, in any way. You know, I'm talking about other people who work at the institution who are not. And so what is the impact of that collective agreement relationship on roles and relationships? Um, I'm sure more than just myself would like to re respond. Uh, so the library that I work at uh, as a technician, I am in CUPE, and our librarians are not. Uh, this is un unusual, in my understanding, to the public libraries in the region. Usually, um, unless you're in management, you're all together, one big union. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say that it, it, it definitely reinforces those divisions that you know some of these conversations that we're having around um, the difficulty in navigating that we have two credentials. What does this mean? How are we not this, the same? And uh, how does you know having a technician not negate the fact that librarians exist? Um, it it just strengthens those those divisions absolutely. And it um, you know there's been there's been some some discussion recently about sort of even the roles of technicians and assistants within uh, BCLA. And, uh, and this is an ongoing discussion, I guess. Uh, and, and something that you touched on that I just want to reinforce is this idea of the professional development funds that you might have and the kind of support that you get. Um, Ashley and I have both been very active in the technicians and assistants section of BCLA. And it's incredibly difficult for us to um, facilitate professional development or continuing education for technicians. There is definitely a demand for it. And the thing is that we work in all types of libraries. So the professional development that's going to work for me as someone in a public library is not going to work for Ashley, who does reference and instruction at SFU. It's not going to work for a colleague who works for Fraser Health, right? Totally different. And we don't have the kind of institutional support. Now, in case my bosses are in the room, I... <laughs> <laughs> Sir, he's been very good to me. <laughs> But we, like, it just doesn't compare. And obviously, to some degree, you can, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty mouthy. I get quite a bit, I think, in terms of um, uh, what might otherwise. There isn't an expectation that we're going to be involved in professional development for some reason that I cannot fathom. There's an expectation that we're not interested in professional development or that our learning has stopped and that this, this lifelong learning is not, not for the technicians or the assistants. Um, and and I'm, I'm speaking, again, in case I'm speaking a little bit globally here. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and we are just excluded from this. We don't, you know, I, I really appreciate BCLA as a place, and not just BCLA, but all the places that we go and we get to engage in um, learning with our colleagues in these conversations and professional development um, outside of our institutions and as sort of library free agents, uh, which is definitely how, you know, I see myself at the end of the day. I, I do see myself independent from my institution, and that's really important to me. Um, but whether or not your institution facilitates, you know, there's only so many hours in the day, and there's only so much money in, you know, the, the $25 that Christina threw out. If you leave the, the region, you're making a lot less than that as a technician. Uh, that is the upper level of what you're making. Um, little money and power. Anyways, I'll, I'll, leave it, I'll leave it with that. I'm just going to throw my two bits in because you spoke to the academic side of um, the, the issues. And uh, I'm currently um, part of a union that has staff and faculty embedded together, which is a really interesting and tense um, relationship that is really quite, I'd use a really bad word right now, but it's a bit of a mess. Um, and it's because 
Well, so backing it up a little bit, the collective agreement piece. Um, it is definitely a structure that then informs the way people behave. So um, that is an absolute problem. Ideally, the reason why faculty and librarians have access to more PD is because in order to move up the ranks, they have to be able to demonstrate academic involvement and that costs money. However, in an institution of higher learning, I think it is absolutely ridiculous that the people who make that place run don't have access to educational opportunities themselves. So how do you, how do you combat that or how do, you, how do you deal with that? And I wish I had the answers, but I, I also see that those support staff that end up in a different union also um, you will find are in the majority women and increasingly so they are auxiliary and contingent workers. So that is another element I think that we need to explore in, maybe not in this discussion, maybe you think about it afterwards, the issue that um, increasingly libraries are hiring contingent workforces. And that is undeniably so. QP's done quite an extensive study of some of this. Um, and these are another cause for concern when we look at pay equity and that. Um, and opportunity more than even the equity piece, it's about opportunity. So yes, our collective agreements are definitely, can be a problem, but we also hide behind them a lot. Oh, well, we can't do that because it's not in our agreement. Well, it's an agreement that can be opened up, sadly, in a lot of cases, not for five years now, um, and <laughs> modified, right? But that comes back to the whole government piece, but I'll stop there. <laughs> Hi, I have a question as well. Um, first of all, thank you for, well, it's very um, heartening to see you speak so positively about the way things are right now in your workplaces and how collaborative things are. But you've got the undivided attention right now of a lot of librarians and managers and people who might be in positions of authority in places where you work or places where um, library technicians and library assistants may be working. And I'm wondering what those people can be doing to support you better. Now that you've got a chance to ask them for something, ask us for something, what, what do you want to ask for? <laughs> okay, I'll give Ashley some thinking time, but you're going to have to answer this as well. Um, thanks for asking. <laughs> I think that's step one. Um, I did have a couple of other people sort of mentioned to me before the panel um, in in absolute and genuine good faith that you know they were interested in coming to this session because either I work with technicians, I supervise technicians, you know I'm not a technician, et cetera, and uh, and I don't know a lot about your you know your education and I don't know a lot about your skills. So I think the first thing and unfortunately it, it dawned on me since then we didn't have enough time to rejig the entire panel, uh, but. Uh, we didn't touch a lot on the education during this, so there's a couple of things you can do there. You can, I would, I would urge anyone who is, is in the position of supervising or managing technicians or even working with a technician um, who's a librarian to find out a little bit about that. So you can go back and listen to episode 37 where we do actually talk a lot about that. Or you can um, talk to one of us afterwards. You can also talk to the person that you work with and <laughs> Um, ask them a little bit about their skills and education. <laughs> and I, what, 
so what everybody wants is really different. I think you know this is something that I struggled with preparing for this panel because I'm not just a library technician. I'm, I'm also me, um, and I really I really enjoy being involved in the big picture. This is part of you know why the um, shelf life for being a technician for me ended a little bit sooner. And I I, I don't want to de-emphasize what Ashley said. They are they are different uh, credentials. It's not that it's a, just a stepping stone. Um, but, you know, I have worked in some situations where there, there's been a perception of, well, you're a technician, you must, A, not be interested in what's going on at the strategic level, B, just incapable of grasping it, um, and C, you know, have nothing to offer but the most token of contributions. And a lot of us come into this profession or these professions with a huge background um, in other fields, there's a world outside the libraries, and um, <laughs> that'll be the next session. Uh, <laughs> and we have a lot to offer. And uh, you know, I think we really need to defocus on our credentials. Um, you know, for this purpose, for the purpose of actually what it is that we're trying to do, whatever goals it is you might have, whether it's in your sort of microcosm of team and what you're trying to achieve, or sort of at the strategic. Uh, institutional, organizational level, um, to just see, you know, is this serving us to focus on the fact that you have a two-year technician's diploma and I have an MLIS? Uh, is that really what's important here? So um, I would urge people to, you know, if you have someone that wants to be involved and come to the table, I really think you should just let them come to the table because you're, you know, you're, you have nothing to lose here. And I, I think for the most part, this is not the case. But if there, you know, I'm, obviously you came to the session. I'm just preaching to the choir. But, um, uh, you know, if you are in a position where you feel threatened by that or you see someone at your table feeling threatened by that, um, we all want our libraries and institutions to thrive. And so if you would, if you would like that, um, you, you're going to need to accept the input and the skills of the people around you. If, on the other hand, you are not interested in your library thriving, then by all means, keep shutting people down and keep telling them that they're not welcome because they don't have a master's degree. That's, you are doing everything right. Um, um, Tamarack, I'm going to stop you there just for a sec. Thank you, Janice, because I think that's a perfect question to end on. So if any of our other panelists want to um, address the idea of what we can do from here or what you want to ask for, actually, um, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll do a little wrap up. Um, so I'm going to echo what Tamarack has mentioned a few times in that I'm really happy with where I'm at. <laughs> um, I see a lot of, of my colleagues from SFU here, and I feel really grateful to be where I'm at because I've definitely been in, in workplaces, not necessarily library workplaces, but workplaces where staff who are not management are not valued. And I, and I think maybe that's what, as a technician, and again, this is very general, but that's what we want, is, is to be valued and have that opportunity to take part in professional development opportunities and to be a part of the big picture conversations and to have that opportunity to grow and, and just grow in our own our careers as library technicians, regardless of whether or not we make that decision to get our MILS. And we might stay as library technicians because we love it and it's fun. Um, so I think maybe that's what I'll end on is, is as a profession in general, I think what we want is to be valued and have, have opportunities that are equal to li what librarians receive. Christina or Pat, do you wanna sort of address the idea briefly of what we can do going forward and then we'll wrap up? Oh, I wish I had that answer, but. Um, 
<laughs> I don't know. I guess for me, the key, and I and I think it's reinforced by what I've heard today, is is mutual respect, and uh, I think. Oh, sorry. Um, as a manager, I strive to make my decisions about people based on who they are as an individual, not on whether they what kind of piece of paper they have, because those things can change. And if I see somebody who has ability, then I would encourage that ability. And, um, and maybe there are some things, as I mentioned earlier, that can be done in terms of education, but I, uh, I would just go back to the fact that if we continue to work together, because we do have common goals, even those of us who sit in meetings all day, we are still sitting in those meetings because of the, the public that we, that we serve. So. I don't have an answer, um, but I, I would say from my observation, like I, I sit in a weird place. I've said it before. I'm on the precipice where I see what goes on in different library systems because of what I have to do um, to teach, and I have to straddle this weird, um, this weird fence where I'm supposed to teach, in this case, technicians, the realities of the workplace, but I also want them to see that there is something to strive for in terms of self-actualization and empowerment. So if I were to say, what, what, what can we ask from our library communities? When I s entered this field a while ago, it's actually 20 years ago, um, I was a technician. Um, and it was like you'd sit next to people and it was taboo to break open this topic of who's doing what and what are their job titles. So we've come a long way already. I think we should all congratulate ourselves on that. But I also think that we um, need to, and I think this is a theme that's percolated throughout, is we need to speak together. We are colleagues who have different job descriptions, but all strive for the same goals. So if that's, we have more power if we are together as a collective. So we need to collectively talk about why we're not paid very well, what, why um, there are huge disparities in the way people are compensated materially, and be open and forthright about those things. We can push those agendas to make it better for everybody. But the other thing that we have a bad, bad habit of doing is we associate ourselves with the institutions in which we work. Hi, I'm a librarian. Doesn't matter who with, right? I'm here to advance the interests of our community in whatever capacity and, and to release ourselves from the bricks and mortar that we find ourselves within, I think will be greatly empowering for all of us because then we start to see one another for those ultimate goals that we, we are trying to attain. So we just have to keep on doing what we're doing and do good work, yeah? <laughs> Thank you, that's such a nice note to end on. Um, I know there were a lot more people who had questions or comments they wanted to share, and unfortunately we have limited time, but I would encourage you to, to do exactly what everyone up here is encouraging you to do and take this conversation beyond this room. If you had a question or a comment, talk to somebody about it at coffee instead. Um, you know, Share those ideas. Like I think what we've accomplished here is, is maybe opening up the discussion a little more, but there are a ton of questions and issues to address and to take home to our institutions and professions. Um, <laughs> it's almost like a bell telling me it's almost time to go. Uh, so I want to thank our panelists. Oh, Tamarack, did you have one more thing? I have a quick one. I can see that I'm being flagged from the 
end of the room, and I believe it's so that I can tell people that there's a similar panel happening at the Canadian Health Libraries Association awesome. conference, um, which is happening when? Next month. Next. 20th to the 22nd of June. Okay, so. <laughs> Fantastic, thank you. We should also, um, sorry, Sam, yeah. point out that Anita is also part of LTAS. If anybody wants to speak further, she's our a co chair for Fraser Valley. <laughs> give give so. us one more wave so everyone can see who you are. <laughs> um, so on that note, thank you so much to Ashley, Christina, Tamarack, and Pat for being part of this conversation. Thank you to all of you for being here. Let's give them a round of applause. And again, thank you guys so much for being here and for being part of our conversation. Uh, just for logistics, if you feel like you really need to listen to this conversation again, God willing, we will have it up on the website next week. Um, our podcast, again, is SS Librarianship. You can find all of our information at sslibrarianship.com. Um, find us tomorrow, and you can buy a button, because we forgot them today. <laughs> but they're $2, and we'd love your support. Um, so thank you again, and have an amazing rest of the conference. I am so proud that we got to bring that <laughs> to all of you. Yeah, that was, um, like... Ugh, my brain. I'm sorry. Allie was really worried, you guys. I was. <laughs> she was very relieved that it out. all worked out well. Well, there's this, um, like you know, um, speaking in public doesn't really bother me at all. Um, I'm one of those lucky people for whom, uh, you know, a crowd a crowd brings very little anxiety. What does bring anxiety is uh, handing over the recording responsibilities to people we do not know. <laughs> And that could not have turned out better than no. it did. I am so pleased. <laughs> like, and we would really actually at this point, um, at this, we'd like to thank, I mean, Shannon uh, from Dragonfly, who helps to put together the conference, yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Shannon Stumpf was incredible. She responded yeah. to all of our concerns and, you know, was, was able to compromise with us on a couple of things that, that was really, it was really, really great. And, and we, we were really, really thankful for that. And, uh, and the folks at SW Audiovisual who mm -hmm. do the recordings for the conference and kind of the mic setups and everything, especially Alex, who did some pre-editing for us, yeah. which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the quality of what you just heard audio-wise is definitely due to them. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, as well as the remarkable content from everyone who spoke. Yeah. It's just the only way I can put it is like, please, 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 please. Like, I can't. I'm just so pleased. <laughs> yeah. And I really, and people are already continuing the conversation as yeah. well about the relationships between the different parts of our profession and how we work together and how we provide for professional development opportunities for Absolutely, everyone. Yeah. Um, I've been talking about it with my coworkers, so yeah. I really hope that does continue. Yeah. And it's, it's very heartening to hear because all of the librarians or upper level people that I've spoken to about it um, have seem to be pretty much on our side. Um, which which is really heartening to see because you know we we hear these horror stories like we heard about 
you know, in, in library school, people telling you not to pay attention to text. And we've all been in, you know, us in the working world have probably been in situations where texts were disrespected or, you know, where um, other library workers weren't given their fair due. Um, and so, you know, when I've spoken to people about it, maybe it's just because they don't want to look like jerks, but, <laughs> um, but everyone seems to be kind of fighting the good fight. Yeah. I mean, I think things are changing slowly there are a lot of you know economic concerns that come into Mm -hmm, it as christina pointed out um among many others but uh but yeah the conversation is continuing and i mean i think also we should give a shout out to everyone else at this particular bc libraries conference that that you know there were a lot of people who were very honest yes who had discussions on things that are scary to talk about in front of a bunch of people mm-hmm. but really important to talk about whether it was the failures panel which was fantastic this I year and so many panel. people or the new grads panel um yeah. our friends Allison and uh Justin and Anna, Anna and Sarah yeah. were on that one and they did an incredible job Anna Ferry friend really, of the podcast yeah. Yeah. <laughs> being um really really open and honest about their experiences as new professionals and uh, I think this year was really full of some frank conversation frank Mm -hmm. and productive which is you know those go together really well and but but at the same time I think everyone was really respectful like I don't think anything ever got out of hand yeah so you know just commendations to everybody all professionals (laughs) (laughs) Um, and also we had a few folks come up to us at the end of this panel that you've just finished listening to and say you know what about doing a show about this what about doing a show about that and and um, we have a couple of contacts that we uh, are going to get in touch with Love about it. maybe doing a show about techs who run libraries in rural communities and yeah. what that's like. So if you have an idea about something that you would like to see on the show or something you would like to come on and talk about, um, no matter where you are <laughs> when you're listening to this, please get in touch happen. with us. We can make it happen for sure. Yeah. And uh, so kind of a what's going on in the in the social media landscape we are uh, trending upward on twitter again the uh, the conversations Welcome at the conference yeah <laughs> conversations at the conference gave us a bump on our twitter so we're hovering around 885 ish so mm-hmm. love to push it up to 900 that would be great so tell a friend follow us on twitter um and otherwise things on social media land are just kind of tickling ticking along as as per usual um you can of course get in touch with us on any of our social media um or you know anything like that you can find us personally you can find us as the collective that is the ss librarianship all of our information is at sslibrarianship.com so we'd just like to say yeah welcome to anyone who's getting in touch with us because of the conference or um, because of the conversation where we're really really proud of it and uh, and i hope that you're willing to join in let us know what you think Mm -hmm. yeah and take a troll through the archives too and Mm -hmm. there are lots of different topics to do with libraries and other things that we've talked about over the past couple of years so yeah sometimes you can just listen to us be nerds for an hour (laughs) i mean it works right sometimes sometimes (laughs) Um, and also on the site uh, is where you can find SS librarianship buttons buttons uh, if you'd like to purchase one or two or five of those. Yeah, and uh, you can also number. toss a donation our way if yeah. you feel like helping us uh, keep our guests in drinks and snacks and keep our equipment up to date and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess we're almost done. Yeah. All that is left is to thank Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Glasses, off the album Artificial Heart. Joe Coe Cruise News. The lineup was Joe released. Joe News. Oh, my God. Oh, my at God. At least the, oh um, God. the preliminary so lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Matt yeah. Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick are going to be there. When I saw that, I, like, I like hit the floor. It was... John Scalzi's coming back, despite yeah. the fact that he just signed, like, a $3.5 million deal for his next, like, <laughs> however many books. He's still going to be on the boat. Nice. <laughs> you can ride on a boat. Yeah. 
Try. And uh, and yeah, oh, Jean Grey is going to be back. You're going to yeah. love her. She was amazing. I'm super excited. And uh, yeah, so if you're still thinking about joining us on the cruise, <laughs> I think there might be some births left. So go yeah. check that out. Absolutely. Um, I guess then that's it for us this week, guys. Um, I'm just like so full of inspiration and love um, for for what we do. So uh, please share with us your inspiration and love. Uh, and as always, we will catch you on the proverbial flip side. Yeah,